now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 300. Hello and welcome. Yes, you heard that right. It is the 300th episode of the podcast, which from day one has been keeping you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. Your support over the years has been amazing. And for you first-time listeners, we hope you can enjoy the next 300 episodes with us. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's 300th show, how Optus broadband congestion has left us high and dry. Telstra customers hit by yet another outage. And are you paying too much for your mobile phone plan? In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a deep dive into the Huawei P20 Pro smartphone. We're also going to look at the Tello Mini drone. And we're going to talk about the new teleportivity platform, which is being called the Uber of customer service. And we'll answer all your questions in the Tech Guide help desk as well. And the show is proudly sponsored by Netgear, who's been a sponsor since episode number one. And they're Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products. And also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive 300th episode for you, so let's get on with it. Well, this first segment is going to be a bit of a rant uh, from me. I'm an Optus cable customer, Optus broadband customer. And I have had a, a terrible time with my service over the last four to five months, since 2018, uh, basically the, since since the start of the year. Now, I uh, just want to preface this by saying that I have been an Optus Cable customer for more than 15 years, a paying customer, and have been since uh, they first introduced cable in my area. And I have to say, up until recently, it has been an amazing service, exemplary service. Really happy with it. At times getting 100 megabits per second down, only one megabit per second up, which is another story. But uh, could not complain about download speeds, was always there, always consistent, and was, as I said, really happy with it. I'm actually due to get the NBN as well in the next uh, two to three months. I'm going to be getting fibre to the curb. But we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. It's this year, just since the start of 2018, when this service has really hit the wall. And I've noticed that it's been an incredible slowdown of speed. Sometimes the internet isn't even working. And several calls to Optus, and I emailed some of the people I knew at Optus and got a, got a call back, was speaking to a really courteous woman who was very apologetic and tried to explain the situation but could not come up with a solution. After several more calls and several more complaints and just not being able to use my internet connection here at home, 
And you, you think about how, how much of an impact that has, not just on me. I'm not the only one using the internet in my family. I, I've, I'm married. I've got three children. And everyone wants to watch Netflix. Everyone wants to watch YouTube. Everyone wants to surf the web. Everyone wants to stream their content. Everyone wants to play games online. And suddenly we weren't able to do that. And when, when your wife and your kids say, the internet's not working, uh, I, I felt rather helpless because I didn't have an answer. And unfortunately, neither did Optus. No matter how many times I called, the only, the only suggestion, the only reason they could give me was congestion issues. And at one point they said, look, it's probably because of Netflix. My reply to that was, well, Netflix has been around for three years. This problem's only been happening for the last three to four months. So how do you explain that? Also, how do you explain when I cannot get more than five megabits per second in the middle of the day? which should be the, the, the fastest time for any connection. How do they explain that? And how do you explain us not even having the internet? It's just not working for much of the time as well. And what, what, was, what was a real joke about this whole thing was the fact that I was actually paying for a speed pack. I was paying to get a faster connection. And I pointed this out to Optus, and they quickly reimbursed me for the entire, that extra amount of money I was paying per month. I got my money back for the entire year thus far. So 2018, what's the point of paying for a speed pack when this thing can barely get off the ground? My monthly bill is over 100 bucks. I pay $100.99, and I pay for unlimited broadband and also have a home phone line included in that as well. So that, that's what I'm paying. And uh, the NBN, as I mentioned, is coming around in the next, uh, in the next uh, two to three months. The Optus cable outside my house, the HFC, the hybrid fiber coaxial cable, will not, I repeat, not be used by the NBN. They bought it, but it's going to end up in a dumpster in the next three to four months. That was another suspicion that I had was the fact that Optus knew that my cable was going to end up in that dumpster in the next few months, and they, they, hadn't, they hadn't bothered to up, keep, keep the upkeep, uh, to maintain it, to service it. Optus denied this. They said, no, that's not the case. We are, we are working on it. They also told me that they are, are trying to upgrade their, the node in my area. I live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. And they said that even attempted to switch nodes for me to see if that actually resulted in a, in a better experience. It didn't. So we were back to square one. Now, I put, I put it out there for people to – I asked them if I was the Lone Ranger. I think there was, there was a, a, a feeling at one point that it was actually my connection that was the issue. They, they wanted to send a technician. And even before they could even schedule a visit, they realized, no, it isn't just you. It's more, more people. There are a number of people who are affected by this issue. So I put it out there on Twitter, and I wrote my story on Tech Guide today, and the feedback has been incredible. There's been a lot of people who are experiencing the same thing. Uh, a good friend of mine, John D, uh, is uh, he for, former presenter on Sky News, is a speaker, author, activist, one of the founders of Planet Ark. He lives out in the Blue Mountains, and he he saw my little rant on Twitter, and he is also an Optus customer, and on the NBN in Katoomba. I'm going to read you what his experience was like. 
Back in January 2017, they signed up to the uh, 140 NBM plans, so 100 megabits per second down, 40 up NBM plan. Turned out Optus should never have signed us up to that plan as it was physically impossible for them to deliver anywhere near those speeds. The result of, uh, of this has been a 160 credit for overcharging us. But get this, in giving us the $160 back, there was a catch. Optus stated they would only give us the 160 if we switched our NBM plan to the lower speed of 50 down and 20 up. Given that Optus overcharged and misled us, why on earth do they think they can set conditions on refunding us? They said that if we did not switch to the lower speed plan, we should not get the 160 compensation. I think Optus needs some basic lessons in how to deal with customers. Anyway, they said they sent out an engineer and they, he changed the Wi-Fi modem. And in doing so, we now only get Wi-Fi in half the house. So they made it worse. At one point last night, our upload speed was only one megabit per second and 790 kilobits up. We used to have faster ADSL speeds than that. So I, that's out in the Blue Mountains. I'm in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. That's like something like 50 kilometres difference. And I did hear from other Optus customers as well. Uh, Mark said, hi, mate, same problem here in Panania. Uh, had a service tech come and visit. He said it was 100% congestion, and they needed to buy more spectrum. Uh, I don't. I, I don't have to. Uh, he's had Optus cable for 18 years. The speed has been fantastic until about six months. So what's the answer? Maybe 5G is the answer. I had another response here from uh, their name is Kudos. This has been my experience with Optus cable for many years. I'm actually shocked by the many similarities between myself and your article. I was given the speed pack upgrade for free for 12 months, only to cancel it recently. I was told the local node in your area needed to be updated years ago. I was told to blame Netflix. The reality is I just expect all of this is lip service and Optus has no plan to do anything while the NBN is still being rolled out. And it continued on social media, on Facebook. Friends of mine were saying, I have the same issue with Optus Cable at Matraville. My experience was the same as you, as you've described, after much frustration. And another person, uh, over, uh, uh, Lisa, says, same issue over here with Optus. I've given up on calling them about it. I've spoken to them numerous times. No reasonable answers or resolutions. Very frustrating when I work from a home office too. It's a joke. That was the other response. We had more on our Tech Guide Facebook page. Same problem in here. Uh, unfortunately, your speed at worst is better than my best. Uh, another another response, also an Optus Cable customer. This is Michael. Uh, have been for many years. Every time we have heavy wind or rain, connection slows our stops or stops completely. Logic says it's a lack of maintenance with a weak link sometimes on the cable network, but never, to, never a fix to be seen. Luckily, we've had little rain of late. And Matthew, some of the same here with the Telstra NBN in Greater Western Sydney. But we're talking about Optus, and these were all the people who were have had a similar gripe to me. So what's the answer here? I've been promised that they're doing all they can. We're trying our best to restore the service, and I'm not getting any answers. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm even pondering, what do I do when the NBN comes? Do I give Optus a chance? Do I stick stick with Optus as my NBN provider? Do they deserve my business after what's happened? I don't know the answer. I, I might give them a try for the first month, and if it's if it's no good, I'm gonna I'll have to find someone else. Uh, just the cost of doing business. Like I'm paying for a service that I expect, and they're not delivering. And I run I run a home office. I run a tech website, so I do need the internet. And unfortunately for me. 
my Optus connection is like a, it's a lottery. I don't know what I'm going to get. It's a toss of the coin, whether it's the middle of the day or at night. I panicked. I was had to stream the Souths game on my Foxtel Now box. I panicked that there was going to be slack internet. I wouldn't be able to watch my beloved Rabbitohs live. But the gods smiled on me. I did have a decent enough connection for the game to be not too much buffering happening during the game, a game that we won as well, which is even better news. That, that cheered me right up. But if you're having complaints about Optus, we want to hear about it. Send me an email, info at techguide.com.au. We're going to gather all of these responses and going to send them all to, to Optus to see what they can do about this. If you want to send me a voice bite, even better, download the voice bite app, hashtag techguide, record your, your complaint, your question, and I will play it to Optus as well as play it right here on the Tech Guide podcast. If you want to read more about my experience with the Optus congestion and how they've left me high and dry, check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, while we're talking about telcos and people not being happy, if you're a Telstra customer uh, anywhere in Australia this week, you'll be uh, feeling the same way as I do about Optus. Uh, And here we're talking about Telstra, their third outage this month. The month of May is only 21 days old. They've had three outages on. May the 1st, there was an outage, a national outage. May the 4th, there were issues with the triple zero. And today... May 21st, it was also another national outage, and services are back up and running, but the worry here is that they don't know the exact cause of the problem. That's Telstra's words. They don't know what happened. Trouble started at 10 o'clock in the morning with the 4G portion of the Telstra network. Uh, There was issues with the 4G layer of the network. What that did is it diverted all the traffic to the 3G layer of the network, And as a result of this massive influx of users, all this traffic, the 3G layer couldn't cope with that either. So it hit the panic button and suddenly there was nothing working. There was no one was able to make or receive calls. Data was frozen. And if you look at their outage map, all the sore red spots were exactly hovering over every capital city, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. And this affected millions of customers around Australia, not to mention business customers who weren't able to process payments or use tap and go. Those kind of services that need an internet connection were suddenly not there. So this could have actually cost people money. Now, Telstra denies that there was an effect to the triple zero services today. They said the calls were unaffected and that other networks were being, were, were deployed so that that service could continue. So as far as we know, Today, at least, triple zero was okay, but that's not to say on May the 4th, triple zero was badly affected. In fact, that is still the subject of a government inquiry. It's still under investigation. Uh, the Telstra outage, hopefully it'll uh, it'll cease. Uh, we won't get any more issues there. I remember a couple of years ago where there was a couple in the same month and Telstra responded with a data-free day, if you can cast your mind back to that, where on one day, Telstra customers Customers could just go nuts with the data, and it went uh, did not go against their data allowances. So maybe would you, Telstra customers at least, due to have a solid data-free day, maybe a data-free week even. That might be a better suggestion. There's a lot of unhappy customers there right now that are eyeing off the other telcos possibly. So Telstra, they say they're the best. They charge high prices to use the best network. Uh, I think it's time they should act like it. The, the network has uh, been far from that. So 
know, all of these these claims they make in their ads about the strength and, and breadth of their network, well, today it wasn't the case. You want to read more about that story? You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, there is an interesting little story that we've got on Tech Guide today about your mobile plan. And we've all got mobile plans, uh, all of us who have got phones and we've got our uh, uh, our smartphones. We've either got a SIM-only plan or we're paying off a phone on our plans. Well, there's been an interesting look at how much we're actually spending on our plans. And finder.com.au have done a little, little survey. And by their calculations, Australians spend 770 million dollars per month on their on their mobile connections and that's on average Australian adults pay an average of $44 per month for their mobile which is actually slightly down from last year last year we were paying 48 on average. So that's 770 million per month. That adds up to a cool 9 billion dollars a year. Now, a uh, lot, lot of lot of customers are they're less le, lot less customers are bundling a handset into their contracts. Only about a quarter of customers, would you believe, twenty six percent, include a phone in their plan. So mo- a lot of people are having their own devices or hanging on to their their devices longer, earning the hand me down maybe from a family member. So that 26%, which include a phone and a plan, 26%. Last year, that figure was 36%. So more people are getting the message that having your own phone gives you uh, access to much uh, higher value plans. So uh, if you do have a BYO device, you can either get a prepaid or a postpaid SIM-only plan and get a healthy amount of data for your money. Now, the research also shows that 74% of us have our own phone, and that's a split 40% on postpaid SIM only, 34% on prepaid. Uh, Last year, there was only 64% of BYO mobile users, and the split was 30% postpaid, 34% prepaid. Now, you think about it, how expensive are smartphones? Flagship phones cost over 1000 bucks nowadays, and not everyone can afford that. But the, luckily, the the mid-level, the mid-tiers of the market and even the entry levels have really uh, improved. And these affordable products now in the entry and mid-levels, all that technology that used to cost the earth has now filtered down to the entry-level products. I'm talking 18 by 9 screens, uh, fingerprint security, or all of these uh, excellent cameras. They've all filtered down now to these entry and mid-level phones. So people have got these affordable options. Average prepaid spend for a customer is $31, and less than half of that uh, of an average bundle contract. So that just goes to show how much we're paying. And no surprise to hear, Gen Y spend the most on their phone plans with an average of 52 bucks, compared to baby boomers who spend on average just $36. So we need to ask ourselves, though, are we paying too much for our mobile plans? Here are some tips for you to maybe work that out for yourself. Tip number one, your contract's expired. You may not know it, but that phone and, and plan that you've got, uh, if once it's gone beyond that two years, uh, that telco is just going to keep charging you that amount of money per month. Now, you may not know this, but if you've got a phone in that plan, you're still paying that amount that's supposed to pay the phone off. So after two years, you own the phone, but you're still paying top dollar for a phone you already own. You get the picture here? If your contract's expired, get a new one. 
you'll find you're going to save a lot of money. Number two, if your plan doesn't have unlimited texts and unlimited calls, it's old. Get out of it. Data is the main thing, of course, that we that is the differentiator of all the plans. But every plan, though, comes with unlimited data, unlimited text, unlimited calls. If you don't have that in your plan, wake up and smell the 21st century and get a better plan than that. Number three, you never exceed your data limit. Have a look at how much data is included on your plan. We said earlier that that is the big differentiator of plans. We all get unlimited talk. We all get unlimited text. Have a look at your data limit. If you're not getting close to it, you might be paying for data you're not using. So if you're paying, for example, 60 bucks for 40 gig of data per month, that's pretty generous, I think. And if you're only getting to, say, 15 gigabytes per month, then maybe it's time to look at a lower priced plan. You're going to be, you, you'll save a lot of money and you'll still have plenty of data to use. Number four, you've been, you've been with the same telco for years. Is this you? Does this describe you as a customer? Now, loyalty is great, but that loyalty could cost you money. Shop around. If you've been with the same telco, shop around. You might be, you might find a better deal. And don't worry, for people who may not think this is possible, you can port your number. Your telco doesn't own your number. You do. So if you want to change networks, it is possible to do that. It can happen in minutes. So shop around. Those four tips there will help you look at what you've already got and maybe work out if you are paying too much. You want to read that full story? You can check that out at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Well, you already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and the creators of the world's first 100% wire-free weatherproof HD security camera. Well, now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro 2 with even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets, or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and light live on-demand streaming, and yes, still 100% wire-free and weatherproof. So you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up, so you can check it on your home, your business, from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. All right, let's get into the reviews. And the first product we're going to look at uh, this week is the Huawei P20 Pro. We did uh, we did tell you guys last week we are going to take a deep dive into this product. Now, we have reviewed, uh, posted the review on Tech Guide. And we have to say this is easily the best smartphone that Huawei's ever produced, the P20 Pro. It is uh, has an incredible camera system, really nice design, and all the features that people are looking for. And I think this stands shoulder to shoulder, can compete against the likes of Apple and Samsung. This is a top-tier product. There's a flagship device, $1,099. So it's in this kind of the same ballpark 
uh, maybe slightly cheaper even than those other products. But this is a device that's going to get people's attention. It's certainly got ours. And the first thing that people are going to notice, uh, the feature that's probably going to get people to buy this product is that amazing triple lens camera system that they've created in partnership with Leica. It will absolutely change the way you look at a smartphone camera. It'll give you a renewed level of respect for what a smartphone can produce. First up, though, let's chat design. And the Huawei P20 Pro is a pretty slick-looking device, especially the new Twilight finish. I was lucky to get my hands on the Twilight finish. This is going to be in hot demand. This is a finish that goes between blue, pink, purple, uh, really nice little multi-tone color on the back there, uh, really going to be popular. Phone is just 7.8 millimeters thick, weighs 180 grams, IP67 rating, so it's water and dust resistant. Uh, but it is a real looker. Got a nice 6.1 inch OLED screen. Uh, has the volume rocker and the power lock button on the right hand edge. SIM card tray on the left edge, but there was no expandable memory. I really wanted there to be a micro SD card slot not to be. Below the screen, though, they didn't find room for a fingerprint reader, which I think is odd because an odd choice because Huawei was obviously with the razor-thin bezels on either side. They were trying to maximize the screen space, but they thought, let's include the home button as well. Without that home button, that screen goes all the way to the bottom, and you're looking at a much bigger screen. Put the fingerprint reader on the back. Uh, It is really easy to place it there. Uh, that would have given us a bigger screen, but uh, that front that front uh, home button also includes a fingerprint reader as well, so added security. Not that there couldn't have been a fingerprint reader on the back. That was the choice Huawei decided to make, and we respect it. The 6.1-inch full-view OLED display has a resolution of 2240 by 1080. Beautiful-looking device. Beautiful-looking screen, I should say. And it also has, when you look at the screen, yes, there is a notch. Look, took a leaf straight out of the uh, out of the iPhone 10 book right there, but Huawei gives you the option to notch or no notch. There is a setting where you can toggle the notch on and off. I've got a picture on Tech Guide so you can see what it looks like with the notch. Of course, you see your network name and everything up up in inside the color of the screen. Without the notch, it just squares it off at the top, uh, and all that information is just in the black space above the screen. So you're not technically missing out on any more screen space. It's just the look of that little notch going around that front sensor and that front speaker. Uh, the other other Android devices, you're going to see the same thing. The LG G7 is going to have that same notch as well, and we're pretty sure you can choose to not have the notch if you want to. Performance-wise, this is powered with its own silicon. You've got a Kirin 970 octa-core processor running Android 8.1. There's also the Huawei EMUI, the Emotion User Interface, that adds a, a nice thin layer to uh, Android. Not too, not too bad. Also got 6 gig of RAM, 128 gig of internal memory, and remember the fact it doesn't have a micro SD card slot, so you've only got that internal memory to play with. The SIM card tray has only space, it had space for, it's got space, of course, for one SIM card, but there was space there to have a micro SD card if they wanted to. I think they're, they're going to sell a variant, I think, with with dual SIMs, but no micro SD card slot. I'm a bit disappointed about that. The other thing that's missing, and another leaf taken out of the Apple book here, no headphone jack. So no, no expandable memory, no headphone jack. Sound familiar? That's what the iPhone's got. No headphone jack and no expandable memory. But... They do have the fingerprint reader, as I said, in that home button. And, look, 
looks-wise, it looks pretty good. It's a nice-looking device, feels good in your hand. But we've got to talk about that camera. The triple lens camera system voted by DxOMark as the best smartphone camera in the world. So a pretty good title. Three lenses, though. 40-megapixel lens. That's the main RGB lens. 20-megapixel mono lens. 8-megapixel telephoto lens. This is a smart camera system as well. It's got all the hardware on board, but it's also got the software and the smarts as well. The the What is brilliant about this phone is the fact that it creates great images, but what's brilliant about that is it takes no effort to create those brilliant images. What you point at, what you look at through the lens, the camera sees what it is. Like if it's, I've got, there's a photo here, me pointing the phone at my dog. My Dalmatian Ziggy, it says at the bottom of the screen, dog. We're looking at a dog. So it can automatically adjust the settings, the mode to capture that image. Same thing, I've pointed at a bunch of flowers. It adjusts it for flowers. So it gives you vivid colors and, and all of those extra features to get that picture looking right. It's also got a really good zoom lens. It can zoom, it's got five times optical, but 10 times digital zoom as well. And even at 10 times zoom, the picture is razor sharp. And picture-wise, if when you have it in vivid mode, all the colors that you see through the lens are pumped up in real time. It's like real-time Photoshop on your image. You see the blues really blue, the greens enhanced, all those colors. You can pair that back if you like, if it looks a little bit too cartoony for you. But I really like the warmth and the accuracy and, and, and that, that really bright colors that it offered through with its pictures. And that zoom, an excellent feature as well. Another favorite feature was night mode. Now, have any ever tried to capture a picture at night? Have you ever tried to shoot a skyline picture or something where if you don't keep your phone absolutely still, it's not going to be very sharp? Well, they've got the answer here. Huawei has got this night mode on the P20 Pro. It actually works where you choose night mode and the mode actually leaves the shutter open for four seconds. So all this information is sucked in through the lens and then rendered in one sharp image. Incredible results. I've got them on my story as well. Low light photography, not an issue here as well. You wouldn't believe the amount of light it can suck into the lens, even what seemingly appear to be very low light situations. Really clear, really sharp, and that zoom, as I said, is tremendous. And if you want a bit more control, there's the pro mode as well. So you want to adjust all your aperture and all your other settings and shoot in raw format, you can do that. Uh, you can also, like other cameras, there's the 960 frames per second super slow-mo. There's time-lapse, light painting mode as well. You can even shoot 4K video. So it's got all bases covered on the camera front. Uh, and look, let's face it, that's what people are buying. People are buying cameras. We're not buying a phone because it makes better phone calls. We want a phone that takes good photos. And this is exactly what the Huawei P20 delivers. On the battery side, another interesting point here, Huawei made a bit of a song and dance about the 4,000 milliamp hour battery, which they said could run for up to two days. But in our testing, we were, we got it through a day, not a problem, snuck it maybe into day two, but nowhere near the two-day battery performance that they suggested. A lot of, I've read some other reviews that they have had two days performance. I don't know, maybe got a lot of phone calls that day. But my Huawei P20 Pro steamed through the whole day. I'm talking really late at night, still had 10 20%, but wouldn't last for two days, not, not at all. And for me to walk around with 20% at 9 o'clock in the morning was impossible. I had to have my phone fully charged. Now, here's what we didn't like and what was missing from the P20 Pro. I've already mentioned uh, no micro SD card slot, which is disappointing. No headphone jack, but you know what? 
I can live with that. Uh, there is, though, in the box, no, no headphone jack, but you still get a pair of earphones, and it comes with a USB-C adapter, so you can actually uh, plug the USB-C adapter, and then there's a 3.5 mil connection for your headphones, your earphones, or headphones, you've got your own, so you can still listen to your music. Uh, there's also high-res wireless audio capabilities on board, but you do need a pair of compatible Bluetooth headphones to enjoy it. Uh, one other little thing, a minor thing, the volume key being close, placed so closely to the power key. Uh, when I tried to lock the phone, sometimes all I ended up doing is turning the volume down. Uh, a lot of phones have the power key and the volume keys on opposite sides. That just took a day of getting used to, and that was okay. The other thing missing, though, and this is a feature on all the other flagship phones, including the iPhone, including the Samsung Galaxy phones, is wireless charging. No wireless charging. I thought that was really strange. I don't know, uh, an odd choice. I don't know whether that was had, there was some sort of interference with the three lens camera system or uh, they wanted to put, uh, the, the, well, there's no fingerprint reader on the back, so there's nothing in the way. Uh, couldn't understand why they didn't do that. Although the Samsung's got a fingerprint reader on the back. The Galaxy S9 has a fingerprint reader right on the back, and it still has wireless charging, so it is possible there. The Huawei P20 Pro already on sale, priced at $1,099. Do you agree with our review? Do you have it and love it? Let us know what you think. Until then, you can read the full review at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. All right, next up, uh, and we love our drones. Uh, I fly myself. I have the Inspire 2 by DJI, uh, which is a big boy, big drone, big bird, that one. Uh, I'm a licensed drone pilot, so I can handle that kind of machinery. But if, if you're new to drones, uh, having a big drone like the Inspire 2 is probably not ideal. So uh, a lot of people may be intimidated by it. Or it, alternatively, you might want to buy a drone for your child. You're not going to buy them a, a $3,000 Phantom 4 Pro. Uh, you might want to buy them something a little smaller, a little easier to control. Even adults, if they want just a little bit of fun, want to discover the joys of flying, they want a smaller device. And the Tello drone from a company called Rise Tech, which also which actually uses DJI's technology, this could be the product for you. Now, this is a drone small enough to fit in the palm of your hand. In fact, there's a photo of the palm of my hand with the Tello drone on the Tech Guide story. It weighs just 80 grams. Now, you control the drone using the Tello app on your smartphone, and it's an on-rails experience. If you want to take off, you simply slide to take off and it just sits there, so stable. Now, for a small drone, that is a remarkable feature for it to be so stable. Normally, small drones, you've got to really micromanage them and they're really hard to fly. Not so the Tello drone, stuck there, really easy, really stable, so ideal for someone to learn the ropes, learn how to fly it, how to move the controls, and even if you want to land it, it's simply pressing a button, and then it does that automatically for you as well. So you don't have to have a pilot's license to fly this thing. You can easily get this up in the air and have a lot of fun. Now, there is a 5-megapixel camera on board, of course. takes reasonable stills. can also shoot 720p video, broadcast that 720p video to your device from up to 100 metres away. So really handy little camera on board too. Great if you want to capture some selfies. Maybe a beautiful uh, landscape selfie of yourself uh, will be called a drone if you take it with the drone. But you can capture this amazing space around you by using this little flying camera, the Tello drone. Uh, there is also a mode uh, where you can perform a few tricks as well. Uh, there is throw and go where you simply toss Tello in the air and it starts to fly. You can also perform a few flips if you like. There's also bounce mode which sees the drone take off and land from your the palm of your hand 
Tello is also compatible with VR headsets, so if you've got a friend who wants to see first-person view, slip your phone into a VR headset and they can do that. Uh, really impressive. There's two antennas on board, 14-core processors, got collision detection sensors, a lot of tech in such a small drone. You only get 13 minutes of flight time. That's what DJI says. Our experience was less than that, about less than 10 even. But uh, my advice is if you do buy it, maybe purchase a spare battery so you can have that handy, so you can swap out the battery, so you can keep flying for twice as long as you normally would. The DJI Tello drone, it's a Rise Tech product, but powered by DJI, priced at $169. If you want to read our full review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we were down at CBIT last week. We were the uh, little tech show in Sydney here, and we came across an Aussie product. Uh, a platform is probably a better description. It's called Teleportivity. Now, at first, when this was explained to us, it was explained to us like this. They said, this is the Uber of customer service when you need face-to-face help. And I went, I didn't quite comprehend what they meant, and I thought, I've got to go take a look at this for myself. Now, this is an Australian tech startup. Teleportivity is a platform that can transform the way customers can do business with in stores, in universities, in in train stations, you name it. Anywhere where you need to talk to someone face-to-face, the teleportivity platform could be the answer. Now, this is something, as I said, we looked at at CBIT, and we were greeted with uh, a 12.9-inch iPad Pro, which was set up on a stand, so built into a stand, so the screen was at eye level. Now, imagine the scenario where you're in a, a store or a shopping center, and you need to talk to someone. You can simply walk up to the teleportivity screen, press a button, and all of a sudden, there's someone that you're talking to live in front of you. And they can see you, you can see them, you can talk to them as if they're standing there, as like you're having a face-to-face chat. Uh, you can ask them questions, you can ask for directions. If you need advice on a product, you can do that as well. Now, I asked I asked the guys at, on the stand, I said, well, is this going to cost people their jobs if you don't have staff? Well, they said, no, it's not, because if you have staff on, on hand, then that's that's great. But what about if your staff don't have all the answers? What about if your expert might be in another store or another city? You can access that expertise even though they're not there. The example they gave was, again, in a store where, for say, you were looking for a fridge. You went over to the fridge department. The fridge expert works at another store or he may be interstate, and you still want to talk to the fridge expert, and teleportivity allows you to do that. So they're face-to-face with you. They may say, look, go down to the next terminal where the screen, next screen, which is close to the fridge, let me talk to you there. Or teleportivity also allows them to hand off that conversation to your phone. So it's like a FaceTime call all of a sudden. You're talking to the salesperson. They're giving you the information you want, which could result in the sale. You're providing providing that expert that expertise uh, that could also help you get the sale. So uh, it's it's going to work out better for the customer and the store. Now, other situations where this could be deployed would be uh, at universities where maybe there's a lot of foreign students and they need people who speak their language or they need to talk to people. There's no no real need to have a full-time staff member in, any, in some particular areas of the university or the train station or wherever you happen to be. But 
that one button press away and you could be talking to someone if you have to. The other example, and I think this is a great one, is for like a retirement retirement home, retirement village setup, where or a nursing home where uh, there may be some uh, a person want to talk to their relatives or maybe need to speak to a doctor and can just walk up to a screen, press a button, and be talking to someone instantly. So a lot of a lot of uses for the teleportivity for this platform. Uh, I see a lot of potential here. My I, my understanding is that a major shopping centre may be rolling this out in the next few months, uh, which is good news. Again, as I mentioned, it's, it's an Australian development, this technology. So that ability to access customer service instantly, even though nobody's around, I think that, that could be really helpful. I, I can recall plenty of times where I've been in a department store and need assistance and there's no one around. You can shoot a gun and not shoot, and not hit anyone. Uh, now, with teleportivity, you could be talking to someone in seconds, get their expert opinion, uh, and uh, both sides of the, of the bargain are happy there. Teleportivity, an interesting new platform. If you want to read more about it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Now, public Wi-Fi, we're all using it. We travel, we're in shopping centres, we're in we're in, or in hotels using public Wi-Fi. But did you know public Wi-Fi, it isn't always safe. Without the right protection, your personal information could become public. There's been plenty of vulnerabilities that have shown attackers can intercept data transmitted across a Wi-Fi network. That personal information transmitted over the internet or even stored on your devices, things like passwords, credit card numbers and more, could become vulnerable. All this personal information can be used against you for, to commit identity theft or to access your bank accounts without you knowing. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. Norton Wi-Fi Privacy encrypts the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log on. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi Privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. A couple of quick ones on the Tech Guide Help Desk, and we do welcome your voice bites. You're going to hear one a little bit later. We do welcome them for you to send us uh, your questions, send us your little mini reviews. Uh, but we have had some on email, so we'll chat about those first. Uh, we did have an email from a listener who says they uh, have an elderly relative who likes listening to the radio in their garden. They've since moved to the country and don't get the reception from their radio. What can they do? My response was, Is there if there's Wi-Fi in the house, if they've got internet connection in the house, maybe buy a cheap smartphone, install the TuneIn radio app and allow uh, in within range of the Wi-Fi network the ability to use uh, TuneIn radio to stream that radio station rather than actually listening to the broadcast through a radio. You can actually stream it through the TuneIn radio app. That would be what I would do. Uh, another mother contacted us asking about affordable VR headsets. They wanted to buy one for their child. And we're asking about the different VR headsets that are available. Now, the PlayStation uh, VR headset only works with the PlayStation 4 and is over $500, so that may not fall in the affordable category. There are several other VR headsets that can just fit your smartphone on board, things like the Samsung Gear VR, the Google Daydream, other other generic brands too. Plenty of them uh, uh, you can see in store. They all just require your phone to be installed in the headset, and that becomes the screen that you look at from a couple of inches away from your eyes and gives you that virtual reality effect. 
So plenty of uh, plenty of options there as well. Now we did say we did have a voice bite, and this is not a question, but let's just play it, and it'll explain itself. Hey Stephen, congratulations on the three hundredth show. Well done, and keep up the good work. Thank you. That's from Robert Rigby, a fan of our podcast, and really nice for him to use our Voice Byte app to send us that message. We really appreciate it, Robert. And you too can send us a Voice Byte. Download the Voice Byte app. It's free on iOS and Android. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Even if you want to just say good day, we'll play that on the show. We'll also, uh, if you do have a tech question, we'd prefer you to record it with your voice and send it in. Or if you have a little mini review of a product that you love or hate, we'd love you to use Voice Byte to do it. So download Voice Byte. It is free. You just use Use the hashtag tech guide, record your question and slide to broadcast and I will play it right here on the Tech Guide podcast. And that is the end of our 300th show. We really thank you for all your support you've given us and all your great messages. And uh, we we really, we wouldn't be here without uh, you, you, the listener. We do appreciate you tuning in every week. You can, of course, read about everything we talk about on uh, techguide.com.au, our great website. And if you want to get in touch, we've already described VoiceBite, or you can also email us, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give also a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear. They've been there since episode one we really appreciate it they're the brand you can trust for all your wi-fi needs and also want to give a, a shout out to to norton they're the company that can help keep you and your family safe online they've just also launched the norton core wi-fi router so keep an eye on that in the next couple of months thanks again for listening we look forward to you joining us again uh, so until then as we always say stay safe and stay connected